welcome back and thanks for tuning in to Oil & Gas Onshore, where I am on a relentless pursuit to bring value, unity, and information to the energy industry one conversation at a time. So sit back, relax, and remember that even this very device you're listening on requires some form of hydrocarbon. This episode is brought to you by our new sponsor for the Oil & Gas Onshore podcast. A big shout out to Technip FMC, a company who truly represents the future of the oil and gas industry. Hey everyone, look, not only do you get awesome weekly content by listening, now you've got a chance to win some serious swag brought to you by Technip FMC. Each week, one lucky listener will win a bundle of gear, which includes everything I'm about to list. Seriously, everything. An audio duffel bag, a Yeti tumbler, an executive power bank power charger, a Columbia neck gator, and a set of Ace Pods 2.0, which are the true wireless Bluetooth earbuds. All you got to do is click the link in the show notes and enter your information to win. Simple. Now go get your swag on. Well, welcome to this week's episode. We're here at the Canon with Denise Hamilton, founder of Watch Her Work, award-winning speaker, consultant, diversity and inclusion strategist. Denise, so what don't you do? Dishes. Okay. (laughs) I like the honesty, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, so in my household, I'm the dish guy. My wife does a phenomenal job and I tell her every day she, she's a good cook. She doesn't necessarily like it, but in order to keep her three kids alive and she considers me one of her kids, she does that. And then I go behind her and, and do the cleaning. So um, <laughs> if times get bad in oil and gas, you need a dish cleaner. I'll hand you my resume. I think I do a pretty good job. So <laughs> you never know. So this isn't your first podcast, is it? No. So, you... <laughs> And you may have done a bunch of them, but you were on Dropping Gems with, is it Devi Brown? Devi Brown, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that wasn't too long ago, was it? Last year. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. So do you do podcasts a lot? Because you speak a lot, right? Okay. I speak a lot. I do podcasts a lot. And just, you know, try to spread the word. Right. So why? Wow, why? You know, I think that we all are given a set of gifts and we are expected to change the world, to impact the world with the gifts that we're given, right? And I think that one of the gifts that I have is the ability to translate experience, the ability to help people who are disparate perspectives or positions to hear each other and to see each other with fresh eyes. So I try to do that as much as I can. Like I probably speak to about 100, 150,000 people a year. Wow. And it's because it's just important if we're going to move forward, somebody's got to move it forward. Yeah, no big time. And having a voice that can reach a mass audience is, is, is a blessing. And to have the confidence to be able to do that is another thing. So with that being said, I mean, has, I mean, I'm sure the COVID thing and the quarantine has inhibited you from getting out there. Oh yeah. So how <laughs> it was, you... it was crazy. Actually, there was like a five day period where it was like, like every single thing in my life was canceled. Yeah. But a lot of things have shifted to virtual people have brought me in for consulting. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of different things and I'm still speaking, you know, we're just doing it from the house. We yeah. just, we just got a little, a uh, little studio from home and still spreading the word and wow. talking about equity for women, but then also talking a great deal about racial equity and specifically in the workplace and how to bring it into into practice and out of theory. Yes. So they're, they're, I'm, I'm busy these days, which wow. is great. Which yeah, is great. good for you. No, that's awesome. And so for I just wanted to give a huge shout out to your daughter, Javen. She's the one who like hooked it up. I reached out to you on LinkedIn 
after seeing a post that you had, because you had spoke at BP, and then for all the listeners are obviously familiar with who BP is, and that's huge. Not just anyone gets to go speak in front of a corporation like that. And so that was moving for me. And, and it made me think, wow, like I really need to get people like that into my little ecosystem of people within my organization and in just my audience and the network that I have. So I reached out and then I think Javen reached back out. And so I was like, oh, okay, she's got an assistant. No, she must be big deal. So she reached out and then this whole thing happened. So, but here we are today. So again, I just wanted to give a shout out to your daughter, Javen, who did a fantastic job helping us with this. And for the listener, I mean, you already gave a little bit of background, but I wanted to give the listeners a little more context. So you're the CEO and founder of WatcherWork.com, which is a digital platform for video-based professional advice for women. Got that off LinkedIn. Hopefully that's accurate. It's still true. You're a critical thinker and powerful communicator with about 25 years of diverse experience working with Fortune 100 companies, large nonprofits, educational institutions, and your entrepreneurial pursuits have made you like an extremely savvy, well-rounded business leader who can thrive and excel in virtually any environment, right? So that's huge. And so I think you have a lot of probably a lot of experience, a lot of message, which, you know, you can already tell that you're passionate about. And so I'm excited to have you on. But before we get going, I wanted to give a shout out to our new sponsor, who's Technip FMC. And so their Speedlock XT system is a fully digitalized hydraulic singular connector that remotely and safely connects and disconnects wireline pressure control and equipment from the frack tree during frack operations. This system eliminates manual red zone operations to improve safety, operational efficiency, predictability on the frack pad. If you want to find out more, click the link in the show notes. So Denise, I always like to to get an idea of of who's behind the microphone. So firstly, where did you grow up? Are you from Houston? I'm not from Houston. I was born in Jamaica, grew up in New York and Brooklyn and Flatbush. I grew up with hip hop. We, okay. we all grew up together. Yeah. And came to college here in Texas. And Why Texas? I grew up Church of Christ. I went to Abilene Christian University, which was the premier kind of Church of Christ school. Mm-hmm. So religious background, which informs a great deal of how I think about the world. Okay. And have lived in Miami, have lived in LA. So now I've lived in New York, LA, Miami, and now Houston. And people always ask me, well, why do you still live here? Like, you've been in all these cool places. And I am, I love Houston. I think it's really flat. What do you mean by flat? Like geography wise? No. Because it is flat. It is flat. I'm from the Rocky Mountains of Canada. So it's brutal. It is flat. (laughs) I think you are, if you are talented, you are a degree or two of separation from anyone you want to meet, from anything you want to do. Wow. I have not felt any barrier in accomplishing almost anything that I was trying to do. Wow. So, and that's not true of any place else, right? So I think- that is something if you if you have the fortune to live here, the cost of living is awesome and the quality of life, the food is incredible, better than all of the other places I've ever lived. <laughs> it is good. And yeah, I just think if you can think of it, you can do it. Yeah. No, that's huge. And and I can identify with you. I mean, and, and being that, you know, I'm in oil and gas. And so there's not so I would love to think that oil and gas was in Miami and LA and it just, you know, it's not, but you know, you we have there's Pittsburgh and Denver and, and Houston. And so I've bounced around a few different places, but certainly, and then growing up in Canada, my wife and I really like Houston. We live in Katy, but I can identify with you. There's so much opportunity and it's almost like, I kind of see Houston as like, you know, if you look at like a spoke and a, and a tire, like we're like the central hub and then like there's spokes go everywhere. And I feel like if you come here, there's opportunity to basically do anything, yeah. you know, from anywhere else. And that's in oil and gas, which Houston, I feel like, has attracted a lot of people from from all walks of life. And so it's interesting for you to say that. 
I mean, so it's it's evident that you've got a solid amount of experience starting all the way back in 01 as a founder of Jones Magazine. Is mm-hmm. that right? And now the CEO and founder of Watcher Work based here in Houston. So have you always had the drive and the hustle to pursue greatness? And, and if so, where does that come from? You know, that's always such a strange question because like you're just you, you okay, know, sure. you're just you, like you just do what you do. Yeah. If you want to see something in a world, you got to put it in there if it's not there, right? Like yeah. what else, what's the alternative just to complain and say it's not there? Right. So starting Watch Her Work, like I did it to solve my own problem. That's always the best yes. entrepreneurial pursuit, right? Big um, time. If you can scratch your own if itch, If you can right? scratch your own itch. I had been an executive for a lot of years and what you know, that meant being the only woman or the only African-American in all of these different situations. So I became kind of a lightning rod for mentees. Everybody wanted to take me to lunch, to pick my brains. And I started talking to my peer group and they were saying they get, they're getting the same requests. And quite frankly, like we didn't even get to see our own kids mm. because we're swamped. Like if you're at the tip of the spear a woman in a leadership organization, predominantly mm-hmm. male, like you're hustling. Right. So it just felt terrible to always be saying no to these young women that wanted mentorship, but you just didn't have the bandwidth to help everybody that needed help. Right. And so we turned on the camera. Like, it's really simple. It's like, let's just capture some of the answers. So at least there's a place they can go if they want to answer the question. That Literally, that's how Watch Your Work was born. Okay. I didn't have any special video training or any, you know, programming background. Like, we just... <laughs> We just figured it out. I mean, you can figure out how to make a bomb on YouTube. Right. So if there's anything you want to do, you just like <laughs> research it and figure it out. The beauty so, of technology nowadays, the, the internet is single-handedly the most important tool we all have because there's no excuse anymore. <laughs> and now we have about 7,000 videos and we're wow. um, getting ready to launch Watch Your Work in Espanol. And we've worked with all kinds of brands, a lot of oil and gas, Apache, Technip, awesome. ExxonMobil, BP, just all, I mean, you know, we're, we're in Houston, so you got to do oil and gas if you live in Houston, yeah, but you're making those, some serious waves and they've been really open and really welcoming and really supportive of advancing women in their organizations. So I shout out all the oil and gas brands that have reached out and worked with me. Marathon Oil has been an incredible partner. Wow. You know, they just want they want the world to be better and yes. they understand the power and the influence that they have. And I'm always honored that they give me a, a space at the table. Yeah, no, that is that is so cool. And so that is something that I'm sure my audience can appreciate. And and we'll talk about how you know people can get connected to you later down the road. But having that just that wide range of, I mean, clients or customers, if you will, to really make an impact all over the board. Is, and then that's right now, I think it, it's it's always been important. Don't get me wrong. But I think now even more, I think it's just gradually continues to get more and more important. And, and it's the, the level of awareness is, is more. And so that's actually really cool. And so you started it, you said to basically scratch your own itch, but you've always had like some of that entrepreneurial spirit, right? So are you doing other things as well? Or does that take up most of your time? Well, I'm always doing other things. Yeah, <laughs> I'm always, I mean, you know, this is, that's my focus. Like if you guys can't see, but I've got on my brand new t-shirt that says do something. Yeah, I'm writing a, I'm creating a journal for allies on how to be a better ally. It's called do something. Yep. And so being pulled into a lot of conversations, consulting with, with companies around racial equity. I'm definitely 
women are my my jam, but I'm definitely like a part of this racial equity discussion. And then consulting on films and TV shows, consulting on, I'm just, I'm just kind of a creative that lives in Houston, Texas. Right. So, so there's not a lot of creative efforts going on here. So I seek them out nationally and just partner with folks that are doing fun, interesting stuff. I think like you've got to create your own reality, whatever you want it to be. Big time. You know, and luckily we're free to do that. Yes. No, you're absolutely right. And so what would you say to young females out there who are maybe kind of stuck or they, they don't necessarily have the confidence, but I mean, what kind of nuggets can you share for maybe people to kind of take that step to begin creating their own reality? Yeah. I'd say the same thing I say to the guys, right? Like sure. that it's, no one cares. Like you're not that important. You're not that in, like, yeah. no one's watching you. No one is waiting for you to fall or fail. Like, just do what you're doing. Let yourself be a beginner. Right. I think in our society, we've gotten to this space that if you can't do it at an A, you don't do it at all. And mm-hmm. no one starts at an A. You have to start at a D, then you're a C minus, then you're a C plus. They, like that's how the progression works. But we're so afraid of making mistakes yeah. that we don't take a step. Do you think people are afraid to make mistakes based off judgment from people who they don't even really care about? Or maybe the ones that are closest to them, like parents, siblings, friends? Like, can you speak on that? Absolutely. I think there's no one that can maintain your mediocrity than the people that love you the most. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, they want safety for you. But, yeah. you know, what they say, a ship is safest in the port, but that's not what ships are for. Yeah. So when you're, when your parents and your people that love you say, oh, are you going to take that international assignment? Oh, like, are you going to go to that country by yourself? Like, you don't know anybody. They're, they're legitimately worried about you. Yes. But you'll never be an executive at an oil and gas firm if you do not take those international assignments. If you don't take them when they come, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to move up an organization. So yeah. they love you, but they don't know this world. And they don't know what you're, what's in you and what's possible for you. You know, likewise, you know, if you, but I've, I've heard people say things like, you know, there's a t- statistic that if a woman buys a house, she decreases her chance of ever getting married. Well, you know, if you don't, you 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 want a man to think that you that you need him. You want wow. to, you know what I mean? Like like we get a lot of messages that you've just got to purge. Yes. You know, I I think that it's really interesting how much we're programmed mm-hmm. to believe what we're not capable of, right? And how the whole damsel in distress kind of approach, like something as simple as Let's take a couple Disney movies, okay. right? You remember Rapunzel? Yeah. Rapunzel, inappropriately long hair, right? Like, <laughs> just, just out of bounds. My like, daughter ridiculous. loves her hair. And she's still, <laughs> my wife, my daughter has longer hair than my wife, and my wife hates it because of it. She doesn't hate her. But, yeah, it's funny because we've watched that, and my daughter thinks she has Rapunzel hair. It's not quite there, but I, I know what you're saying. <laughs> so, what a message, right? Rapunzel helps... Her mom, the witch, get in and out of the tower. She helps the prince get in and out of the tower. It never occurs to her to use her own hair to get out of the tower. Like, it's yours. Like, you could have done something. You could have solved that problem for yourself. Wow. And then, like, the Little Mermaid, you can have the man of your dreams. All you have to do is give up your voice. Right. What a message. That's crazy. Think about it. I never, like, All you have to do to get the... She had never spoken to Eric when she gave up her voice just for a chance to be with him. What? <laughs> and we have our little girls sit and watch these movies. 
That is crazy. How is that? How is that okay? Who do I call? I want to speak to the manager. Yeah. And I got, I got, I'm going to ruin a, a, ruin the next one for you too. Okay, don't bring it. Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about it. The Beast kidnaps her father, throws him in a dungeon. He's about to die. Like he's killing her father. She comes to save him, trades her life for him and is a prisoner in the castle. He scares her so badly one night that she grabs her coat and runs into the wolf-infested woods to get away from him. That's how scared she was of him. Now walk me through how they end up in love. I don't honestly remember. My daughter hasn't been known. Remind everybody because I don't But just the thing, like the idea that, you know, the message of Beauty and the Beast is true love will make a beast a prince. Yeah. If you just love him, it doesn't matter how he treats you. If you just love him, he'll become a prince. Hmm. Think of the message that we are telling our little girls. Wow. So we're all like programmed. We all live in this soup that tells us how to think and tells us how to be. And so the biggest thing you can do if you want to be truly free is unplug from the matrix. Yeah. Is challenge the stories in your life, create your own stories. And that comes through authentic relationships, that comes through working on things where you are not skilled. Like mm-hmm. it's okay to paint ugly pictures, to write bad songs, to, you know, be a terrible actor in the community play. Like it's <laughs> yeah. like it's awesome because you learn how to not be excellent. Yeah. And it feels like that's if they might feel counterintuitive, but if you learn to laugh at yourself and not take your failures so seriously, what kind of a winner can you be? Because that means like it doesn't hit you. Oh, you know what they say? I don't. I don't. I'm gonna butcher the quote about Einstein. He just he tried the bulb so many times. Yes. What if he had stopped at number ten, the top number twenty, number fifty? Like we mm. wouldn't. Like we wouldn't have what we have. Yeah. So I think one of the biggest challenges we have in our society right now is just the fear of failure, the fear to try, the fear of of being judged or criticized or everyone not understanding what you're doing and not thinking that you're great. It's yeah. okay to not be great. That's how you get great, right. is that you're willing to keep trying and bumble and stumble mm-hmm. until you've accomplished it. And that's what mastery is. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, that's... and we can't achieve mastery anymore because we're so afraid of not being perfect. Right. Yeah. In society, like you said, a lot of that, and, and especially with, with social media and everything, you know, I, I remember like when Instagram came out and all this stuff and it was like society was saying, this is, this is what success looks like. They glorified, you know, the, the, the finer things in life without really understanding like, you know, the overnight success takes 10 years. Like, I don't know anyone in, in my network or people that I really admire as leaders in, in the business world or even in the sports world growing up, you know, as an athlete, like sure, there's, there's some genetic component and, and certain people have skill sets that, that automatically give them a little bit of an advantage in certain, certain aspects, but it takes time, it takes failure and, and you need to appreciate the L's just like you do the W's. Absolutely. And, and something that like I always say is you got to be able to handle the downs just as much as the ups, you know what I mean? And so don't get too high on your mm-hmm. W's because you won't be able to handle the L's. And so I appreciate where you're coming from on that. And it's a message that I think that I personally am hearing more, but I think it takes everyone to, to reiterate the message to help keep 
reminding people because it's so easy to get sucked into the the matrix, I guess, yeah. if you will, right? And it plays out in work, right? Like, I'm not going to take that assignment because I'm not sure I can handle it. Or, well, they wouldn't offer it to you if they didn't think you could handle it, right? Like, yeah. give yourself a chance. Like, try it. Yep. Try it. Don't tell, don't tell yourself no. Right. If we could just stop telling ourselves no, I can't even imagine what we could accomplish. Yeah. No, I, I love it. So, Things have certainly changed since since I reached out prior to COVID. And so when you were at BP, what was the experience like there? And and what did you share with with them? Is it a, was it a very similar message? Because I mean, obviously, it doesn't necessarily particularly matter whether it's oil and gas or not. But working within the oil and gas community, is there something that's unique or different compared to you know other industries that you've kind of been involved with? You know, I think this is the oil and gas industry obviously has a history of being but white male dominated, right? Yeah. Like it's roughnecks, whether it be, you know, in the front office or out on in, on the field. And yeah. so there is, whenever you have an environment that was structured in a particular way for any length of time, you have to acknowledge the difficulty in changing that, mm-hmm. right? And I think that a lot of people talk about inclusion and talk about expanding and you know we we're an organization that serves all people and welcomes all people they say those things but i think it's really hard in practice like we kind of don't we don't really tell the truth mm-hmm. we're not honest right homogeneity is really great it's fun it's easy yeah. there are all these studies that say homogeneous groups make quicker decisions and they're happier with them yeah. Who doesn't want that? Fast and we're all happy. Now they could be wrong. <laughs> they could be very, very wrong. Yeah. But we're happy and the things are moving smoothly and we're all in agreement. That's the attraction of groupthink, right? Is that I like people that speak my language, that went to my school, that went to, you know, have the same background as me. We have a shorthand. Yeah, I can get through things much quicker because right. we're all on the same page. When you interject someone else who has a different perspective, a different background, they didn't play the sports that we played. They didn't live in the parts of the country that we lived in. They didn't they, like, it's totally different. Well, now you have to accommodate that person. Now that person could be revolutionary because they're going to bring you some fresh thinking that's going to help take you to another place. But let's be honest, it's hard to give up my shorthand, to give up my convenience, yeah. to kind of integrate this new person. And that's going to have a tension. That's going to have a difficulty. It's worth it. I think you get better answers in the end, but it's difficult. Yeah. And so what I try to do is help people like acknowledge, be truthful of what's challenging about it so that we can work through it and get to that optimal goal. Because the temptation to just do it the way you've always done it with the people you've always done it with is is super enticing. You know, yeah. it's no, like when it I is. was in, like when we were in college, I went to a predominantly white college and people would ask us, why do all the black kids sit together? And I would say, why do all the white kids sit together? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? yeah, it goes both ways. It goes both ways. It's like people like to huddle together for warmth, right? Yeah. And so how do you intentionally break that up and create something new and something dynamic and something incredible. Mm -hmm. The best companies we have in the world right now are the ones that can successfully tap diversity. Our tech companies are blowing the roof off of this 
economy, if you took the top 10 tech companies out, our economy, I, I'd be scared to see what the number would look like. But it's because they're tapping people from every corner of the globe, from every perspective, from mm-hmm. every, you know, position. Mm-hmm. And so if you can do that as an organization, yeah. you can kill it. But yeah. it's hard. It is. No, and, and it's certainly, I think, like you said, the, the level of comfort that people have without having those difficult conversations, people don't like to have uneasy conversations. And and so it's it's easy to put on paper to like, oh, here, you know, support this or, you know, we support that. But where the difference is, is who executes and who actually takes action. And so that actually brings me to my next point is, can you share some insight outlined on a recent article that you wrote with regards to how Houston's business leaders can help end systemic racism? Because you had some pretty good nuggets in there. And so can you speak on that a little bit? Yeah, I think that there's a temptation to bandwagon this, right? Like to put Black Lives Matter on your website and to put out a great statement, you know, but one of the things we're seeing is like so much backlash because companies will put a statement about Black Lives Matter and then their black employees will be like, well, do your Black Lives Matter? And right. your, your your actual employees that work for you don't even matter. So I think that there's a need. It's such an exciting time, right? Let me start there. Like yeah. I could start with the negative. Let's start with the positive. Mm-hmm. It's such an exciting time because people are opening their eyes. They're looking at the different experiences And for the first time, what I see is the conversation, the center of the conversation is moving, Mm -hmm. right? That's the biggest, that's really the biggest difference. The center of the conversation used to be kind of like this white male perspective. And, you know, why wouldn't it be? White guys are the hero of every story, right? From Luke Skywalker to Indiana Jones to like name a Superman to like my whole formative years yeah. is full of white guys being the hero of every story. Even if sure. they were a criminal, right. they were the hero of the story. It's <laughs> <laughs> center of every story. Yeah, so, no, how, so how do you shift that conversation? And I think tragically, George Floyd's death centered it squarely on like for you because it was 10 minutes you couldn't look away eight minutes 46 seconds yeah you couldn't look away and it's like wait a minute wait a minute maybe i don't have this story right Mm -hmm. that i can work with Right. right i don't have this story right maybe i don't have an accurate picture of what's going on here. Maybe I think I'm inclusive. I think there's opportunity at my company. I think that everyone has an equal shot. I think this is a meritocracy. Wait, is it? Right? Like, (laughs) just like, stop. Ask the, talk to the employees. Really honestly get their feedback of what's happening and what's not. Right? You think of something like, what's professional? What's professional, right? Her hair is not professional. Her hair is exactly how it grows out of her head, and that's not professional. But if she puts $10,000 worth of chemicals and products in her hair, then she'll be professional. Like, wait, what? Right? Like, who gets to decide what is the best approach and how we structure things, how we create environments can create a space where people don't feel like they can speak up. They don't feel like they can disagree. Right. If they do speak up, nothing ever happens. You know, the surveys that are done that you never hear the result of the survey and nothing ever changes. Yeah. We teach people that they have to hide themselves, not bring their authentic selves to work. We give cover, you know? I mean, I've worked in commercial real estate for for a while and it was interesting. Like, if you're a top earner, 
You could be as racist or as sexist as you want to be because you're a top earner, right? Because money talks. So do we value our values or do we value monetary value? And that's a hard, you know, companies that have, they are beholden to stockholders and they have to maintain financial viability. Would you sit an employee down that was making great money and very successful in their role, but they brutalized all of the minorities that worked under them? Yeah. Those are decisions you got to make, right? And I don't know that we have been truly honest about that. And I think that there's a shift that's happening now of like, wait a minute, like what what are we doing to make sure that our spot is not a spot that people write articles about, right? right? Like, yeah. like, because I think when you build a company, when you lead a team, you want to have pride in the work that you are producing, right? And you you want to believe that you're doing a great job and you're being effective. And I think in the business leaders that I'm talking to, they're kind of having a little, like a little existential crisis right now because they're like, <laughs> wait, I thought I was good at this. And it's like, right. you may not be. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier, like, let yourself be at a D. Yeah. So let's work it up. Let's work and get to that A. But if you don't acknowledge that I'm not doing this well, this isn't going as great as I think it's going, then that leaves room for somebody like me to come in and help you. <laughs> like, let's move the move it along. For like, sure. Like, I'll give you a perfect example. Large chain just work, reached out to me. I'm going to be working with them. Retail chain, who shall remain nameless. Okay. And well, I'm excited to find out eventually. <laughs> <laughs> and they said... They're putting together a diversity committee. I said, oh, tell me who's in your, who's on your diversity committee. Oh, it's, you know, we just gathered, we tapped a bunch of like minority employees in the organization. I said, oh, so did you compensate them additionally? And the whole room got quiet. And I was like, hello, 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 hello. (laughs) Well, we just, so you have an organization that has a problem with bias, that has a problem with structural racism in your organization. And you have tapped the people who are on the victim side of that equation, the people that are most impacted, who have, by the way, the least power to now solve the problem for your multi-million dollar organization, but you're not gonna compensate them? Mm. Really? Yeah. If you give anybody else a raise, if you give anybody else a new project, if you give anybody else a a new initiative to support your organizational growth, you pay them. But you expect all of these people to do this additional work on their on their lunch break. So, a, do you really take this seriously? Because if it it did, it wouldn't happen on your lunch break if it was serious, right? Right. We we what you measure is what grow. What you feed is what grows. What you measure is what matters, right? And so we measure everything in money, but this. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? So hmm. they're like, I didn't even think about that. So you're telling them that it doesn't really matter because you're not giving it real time. Right. It doesn't really matter because you're not putting any resources in it. And I hate to break it to you. It's not the black people that have the problem. It's the white people that have the problem. So you need to have both groups on these committees talking and having discussions. So having a group of minority employees that give you a list of grievances, not in context and without managerial involvement, it's just a, it's, that's just wallpaper. Yeah. It doesn't no. matter at all. So, I mean, I think that there's real opportunities to make substantial impact and real change and we just have to commit to it. Mm-hmm. No, and, that's... and just like anything else, if I needed sales training, if my people needed sales training, I would get that for them. Right. And so we need managerial training on how to effectively deal with that, that appetite, that temptation of homogeneity that makes us normalize one group and externalize another group. 
Right. No, that that's a huge message. And and so one question I had and I was thinking about, and this might be silly, but like, so let's just say, let's pretend, you know, I'm manager of X and, and I have, let's say some minorities that work underneath me. Is it up to say people there, and you may not even be a manager of anybody. Let's just say like I work, you know, next to so-and-so mm-hmm. and, you know, as someone who's white, like, I'm curious on how to engage on this type of topic to, to so hopefully help the culture within an organization. Is it important for everyone to then start asking their peers, how do you really feel? Is there anything I can do? Because a lot of people are curious. Mm-hmm. Or is it up to managers and leaders to develop systems to, to help with that change? Like, is it okay for so, someone just to go like, Let's go up and say, hey, like, you know, I know there's this issue happening. Like, can we talk about it? Like, without offending, because that can be very uncomfortable. It can. So is there like a good, like, you know, one, two, three step for like for people that are just amongst the peers of the mix of people? I love that question because it's a very complex question and it's the heart of the matter, right? right? It's the heart of the matter. Because it's like the elephants in the room and everyone kind of like walks around it and then Mm -hmm. they're like, oh, well, don't worry, our company... Mm-hmm. in quotes is going to solve the problem but 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 how do you like organically within the company people that maybe work at the same position like how can i engage you or someone engage me like how do you properly like, what are the right questions to ask what are the wrong questions to ask you know what i mean yeah yeah so the first thing i'd say is it depends right and yep. and nobody nobody likes that the answer but it does it does depend you have to think about it like let's say you're on a team of 60 people and there's two black people on that team imagine 58 people Rick, how are you? Are you okay? Right. Can we talk about this? Oh my God. Rick just wants to do his work. He is like, I am not in charge of your wokeness. Unfortunately, some white people have discovered justice the way Christopher Columbus discovered America. Like there were people already here, right? So so this is new to you, but it's not new to me. So the constant questions and the constant from everyone, it can be very draining for that African American employee. It just, okay. it just can. I'm just being honest about that. Sure. But I want to back up because I think it's like such a, it's such an important question because it's about relationship, yeah. right? It's about relationship. Somebody, if you are walking down the street and you've got like spinach in your teeth, there's a person that could say, hey, you've got spinach in your teeth and it would be embarrassing because they would embarrass you in front of good people. There's a person that could say there's spinach in your teeth and it will be so helpful because they're discreet and they, you know, they're truly here to help you. There's a person that can tell you you're spinach in your teeth and you laugh about it because they're funny and, and you have a, a camaraderie. Yeah. The question is really about relationship. Have you taken the time to build an authentic relationship with the minority members of your team? Right. If you have that relationship, it can tolerate a whole bunch of stuff. There's some stuff your wife can tell you that nobody else can tell you. Right. Because you have that foundation, right? And there's a grace. Like people are very, I think white people are very concerned about saying the wrong thing, right? So they say nothing, right? Okay. And to me, like the antidote to that is build a a true relationship with that Mm. person. Show goodwill and goodwill. Let me give you an example of how you, a couple examples. You're in a meeting 
And you've noticed that every time they start to say something, there's another blowhard guy in the office that cuts them off <laughs> or restates yeah. their idea as his own. Yeah. Or you've seen it, right? Well, We've all, all seen it. Yeah. Speak up and say, isn't that what Rick said? Yeah. Can you just think of this, that subtle gesture? Like, how is that different than what Rick said? You may have a power in that group that Rick doesn't have. Yeah. But just share the mic. Share your state. So when you go to Rick to talk about something, you have a track record with him. Yeah. He knows your heart. He knows who you are. So you can stumble and make mistakes in how you interact and ask the questions about this topic because he knows that you're for real. Yeah. The problem ensues when somebody who is, has never been interested, who has worked next to Rick for six months but never spoke to him, sees him in the elevator, doesn't address. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, now you want to be buddy-buddy and talk about racism. There's no right. There's no platform. There's no foundation. Yes. So that's a great, be a great good answer. person. Like, welcome people in. Reach out. I remember when I worked in a commercial real estate firm here in town, we all sat in cubicles. And an EVP, an executive vice president, came out and invited every single person to lunch but me. What? I was the only black woman, only black person, only black woman. And so literally, he took every single person. In front of you? Just in front of started me. Calling hey, everyone. Rick, da, 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 da. Hey, let's go, to, let's go to lunch. And left me sitting there by myself. Right? That's so now crazy. that person comes up to me like, hey, Denise, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, I don't want, I don't want to hear it from you. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and also, and also uh. just think if one of those guys that he invited had just turned back and said, hey, don't you think we should invite Denise? Yeah. Think, think of the impact that would have had on me, right? And literally, I could cry even just thinking about it, like how I felt that day. Oh, I'm sure. And, it, and just think, like, you could have been an absolute hero if you had just looked back and said, shouldn't we invite Denise? Hey, Denise, you want to come? Like, that is how you establish relationships. That's how you share your power. Mm. When you see, you know, wait, are you negotiating salary? Hey, let's talk numbers. Like, don't let me go into my negotiation and not realize that you're getting paid $50,000 more than me. Share the, share the information. Share the stage. Pass the mic. Hey, we worked on this team effort together. Don't take credit for the whole project. Man, Rick really showed up in this project, y'all. He really threw it down. He contributed this and this and this. Share the mic. Understand that they have a different burden in this environment. You're just doing your work. Mm -hmm. They're doing their work and they're managing being a minority in this all-white environment. Yeah. Like it's two jobs. So with that in mind, give a little bit more grace, give a little bit more effort, put your best foot forward. I don't need you to come and sit and have a deep conversation with me about the protests and racism and how we can change the world. Yeah. Just do right. Just do what you can do. Just like, like I say, just be a good person. Right. <laughs> then we have a foundation for any conversation that needs to happen. Yeah. No, I, I think you hit it on the head there. That, that makes so much sense. And even just thinking about it, you know, within you know, my company. And, and certainly there's a lot of takeaway from that. So I think that was a fantastic answer. So my next question is, so are there, and you don't necessarily have to name them, but are there companies out there, oil and gas or not, that you think are laying a positive framework to help create change? And if so, I mean, you've touched on a lot of it, but are, but are there things that companies can do to take action like, like now? Like little things or? Yeah, there's a billion, a million things. Well, of course. Yeah, right? I think that, again, like like I said earlier, what you feed is what grows. Yeah. Put real money into these initiatives. Be authentic 
about them, mm. right? I shudder sometimes, and I, I'm sure I've talked to a lot of white guys about this, and they yeah. hate DNI training. They hate it. They're like, oh, uh, diversity and inclusion training. Like okay. we're gonna come or sexual harassment training. We're gonna oh, okay. sit through this thing, and it's it's stiff and it's it feels artificial and it feels superimposed. Like sometimes we sanitize the messages so much that they just they don't hit the mark. We kind of rob them of all of the teeth. Yeah. Like these are hard subjects. And if you're going to talk about it, talk about it for real. Gotcha. Talk about it with authenticity. And that's why I always tell people like, I'm not the right consultant for every company because if I can't do it right, I won't do it. If, if you won't let me do it, yeah. I won't do it. Right. I come in and I'm going to talk about it in reality, not in like this nirvana kind of like, you know, Valhalla thing that we do. I'm not interested in that. Like, so I think that creating training that is authentic is truly engaging and challenging. Yeah. Right. Like some of the things we talked about today are things people could start doing. I don't hear people talking about it though. Like yeah. these are the ways that you create true inclusion. And so I think, I think also, you know, it's really hard when your whole leadership team it's homogeneous to talk mm. about inclusion for other people, Yes, right? You want the managers to do this and the managers to do that in your organization and your leadership team doesn't do that, you know? Like, so let's be honest. Yeah. And it's, and it's difficult, right? It's difficult to, like Alexis Ohanian, just step down from the Reddit board to make a space for a black person to be on that board. Wow. That's an ally. That's somebody that's like, whoa, you gave up your seat on the Reddit board? And it's hard because... When you have acquired or accomplished this group of things, it's really hard for somebody to come along and say, share that. And it's really hard not to think of it as, I earned this, I built this. You have to have some a deep soul integrity to understand like, yeah, you built it, but the system is really set up for you to build it. And it's not right. really set up for these folks to even have a chance. So how do you take the responsibility and the piece and the part that you play in creating room and space for them? So, yeah. so I think it's like, it really starts with what's your intention and that's your intention is important, but it isn't nearly as important as your impact. Yes. Absolutely. If you could talk about it, you could want it to be different. You could think it should be different, but what are you really prepared to do for it to be different? One of the most obvious ones is recruiting from different schools. Mm, yes. There's people who are so woke and they're so inclusive, but they only recruit from three schools. So how are you inclusive if you only recruit from three schools? Like yes. that, that is, it couldn't be more contradictory. Right. right? No, and that's, so that's a, that's a, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's a very, very good point. So I think there's like all of these opportunities to really look at it. And I think you have to understand it's like writing your own resume or your own bio. Mm. I don't think you can do it. You need somebody else to be like, wait, <laughs> don't you remember when you did that awesome thing? And what about this? How come that's not in there? Like yeah. we human nature is we don't really, we can't see ourselves right. well. We just don't see ourselves well. So I think finding the right external consultants that help you like look at yourself, really look at it. Like let's, let's really look at the language you use and, it, like I'll give you another great example, internships. People give preferential hiring to people that have had great internships. Who can afford to have a great internship? Who can afford to work for free or for almost nothing? Who can afford to be in another city for the whole summer to do an internship for, for, for $10 an hour? Like, 
There's only like that's not going to be underrepresented populations. Yeah. So let me get this straight. I am a 3.9 GPA student. I am holding down two jobs and I'm helping raise my siblings. Yeah. But I'm not as attractive as the guy whose dad got him an internship at ExxonMobil last year. Right. Who he may be a C student, B student, and his dad just made a call. So now he has a leg up on me. Mm. No matter how much work, no matter how hard I've, how many challenges and adversities I've had to overcome, wouldn't you want the person who has had to have the grit and determination in your organization instead of the person that was handed an opportunity? But how often do we give preferential treatment to the one that was handed the opportunity? Right. It's little things like that that we just don't even think about that shape who works for your company. Yeah. And those are the things that we have to challenge. And it's hard. Because you have to challenge yourself. That may be how you got here, right? Like nobody wants to let go of the way they got here. Yeah. You have to realize that you have to do stuff that's different and you got to shake it up. And you can't have sacred cows and holy, holy Sabbath days of things that you can't touch. Right. Everything has to be up for review and for analysis. And that's really hard. So you ask the question of like, who's really like dropping it like it's hot? Like who's making it happen? The people that are really ready to look at themselves and change big things Mm -hmm. if it's shown to them where it's having an impact yeah no that makes a lot of sense and 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 i and i can certainly understand and i've witnessed what you're talking about with regards to you know internships and, and things of that nature and and i feel like you know being in you know this this industry for as long as i have it is getting better and I'm sure some of the listeners out there can say, "Oh no, at my company we hire everybody." And and and, and granted, there's there's always you know exceptions to the rule. But but I think in general, I think what you're speaking of is is, is speaks volumes. And so what I don't want is, is is the people out there that have maybe had a positive experience to say, "Oh well, you know this is not right," and blah blah blah. Because I'm sure it's again it's an uncomfortable conversation, uncomfortable conversation to have. But it's the reality. Mm-hmm. And 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 so like you talk to a lot of people, and including myself, I could give examples of. Of where that's happened. I had a conversation with our controller the other day and we we had a very great conversation about this topic. And I challenged her and I said, Well, what do and, and so I said, Well, you know, other companies within our business space, no one's come out and, and done XYZ. And and I said, Are we willing to be the first ones? And it was kind of like, ah, yeah. Yeah. you know, and so like <laughs> it was interesting, but like I think the conversations need to be had. And so, again, I, I think what you're speaking on speaks volumes. I want to kind of bring it back to watch your work. Mm-hmm. So for you, if you had a crystal ball and say within you know the next five or 10 years, what does the future look like for watch your work? What is the ultimate plan? Mm. Oh, what a great question. You know, I want to be the professional destination, the destination for professional advice for women. Okay. That's what I want. I want people to have any problem. We cover things like how do you ask for a raise? How do you tell your boss you're pregnant? What do you do if a client hits on you? Yep. How do you negotiate severance? Like all of these topics that are kind of like you don't always know who to talk to about them. And, and you know, if you, you know, cried in a meeting, you go to work tomorrow. You need to know what to do tomorrow. Like, yeah. do you go door to door and apologize? Do you act like nothing happened? Do you send somebody an email? Like, what do you do? You can't wait two weeks from Tuesday to talk to your mentor. Like, mm-hmm. you need an answer right now. So I want to be the 
the just-in-time destination for professional advice for women. We want to have 20,000 videos by the end of the year. We got 7,000 now, and our obviously COVID has put a, a dent in that plan, but we're pushing forward with a national program. They're kicking off in July for women to send in their own videos of their own advice wow. and things that have happened to them. Because, you know, like, you know, maybe Linda slept with John in accounting, and now he's telling everybody, like, <laughs> what does she do, right? Like, who would you ask these questions, right? Yeah. And so to have people that have literally already gone through these situations tell you what they did. And and another thing that I do on the site that I think is super important is I don't decide what the right answer is. I put three or four answers for the same question because people are different. Yes. The diversity on my site is intentional. And that diversity is not just racial, but it's also, you know, Life is different at work if you're pretty or if you're not, if you're sure. tall, if you're petite, or if you are an extrovert or introvert. Like it's just wildly different. So you have to have all those different types of people so that people that are using the site can find themselves, mm. right? To find their person that's like them and get that advice and then see people that are not like them yeah. and like, how do they handle it? So. I just want to keep going. We are launching this summer also is our big project, corporate training, just like a learning management system so people can access our content and including ally training in that. And just, you know, continuing to speak, raise the profile, spread the word, tell the story, bring the message. Yeah. Just to, just more of the same. You know, cool. it's been really interesting building a company like this from Houston. Mm. This is definitely something you see more out of New York or LA. Yeah. And I dig it. Like, I'm really thrilled to be representing kind of the middle of the country, like places that people think of as flyover states. It's like, no, there are real women here who are killing the game, yeah. who are working their behinds off. Yeah. And I want to support them to have everything that they want or desire. So if I can help, you know, we say what we do is we help women go further faster. Yeah. If I can help women go 20% faster, Everyone in my audience just goes 21% further, 21% faster. Yeah. That changes the entire world. It really does. Economically, like it just changes everything. So we just want to be a resource and add value and just help. You mm -hmm. know, that's, that's what we're trying to do is help. Nice. Well, the passion behind the voice speaks for itself, for sure. So I was just thinking about this. So certainly, you know, that is something that I think a lot and hopefully more and more women continue to utilize. Would you say there's an, just coming from a male's perspective, like, do you think there is ever such thing as watch him work? Like, would you ever, and, and not to say day. like, well, what about me? But, it's called every day. Right. We, but watch, I, but, we watch him work all the time. <laughs> I, I had to throw that in there. Cause you know, you know, you know, there's people out there. Go, well, what about us? Like, why don't yeah, we get I stuff think, like I that? I think guys are good. I think y'all are okay right now i think you're okay it's like yeah, yeah. Oh, leadership i think is what 98 percent of male in america look, I'm, but one I'm thing that's really you. funny one thing that's really funny <laughs> that's gonna blow your mind a little bit 18 percent of my audience is male yeah cool. what's that all about right hey. and so we kind of those, those are ones that are in the closet not telling anyone they're they're following but they are <laughs> <laughs> right they're like lurking i have a lot of male lurkers <laughs> Yeah. Right. And I think it's a, it's a couple people. I think it's men of color because they have some of the same issues. Yeah. But then I also think it's like really incredible, like male managers that are just trying to understand. They're trying to hear. They're trying to learn. 
I love that. I love that they're coming on the site and trying to hear because because the thing about my site that's different. Watch your work. We get to you get to hear women talk about these things in their own voice. Yeah. It's not like some canned presentation that you know somebody reads from a script. I'm telling you what happened to me, and so. I'd love that the that like we have these these men that are like I just want to lead the women in my organization better. I want to be a better manager. Like for sure, that's a, that's awesome. That, that like is. totally made my day when yeah. when I heard that. So yeah, we have a space for men that watch yeah. our work. Don't feel excluded. Y'all can come on, come on in. The water's fine. Yeah, no, I I had to throw <laughs> that in there because you know just to get some giggles. Um, so for you. Who's your biggest mentor or someone that you look up to? Is there someone that you really kind of like say, you know what, you know, there's got to be somebody. And it doesn't necessarily have to be from a careers perspective, but anyone just that helps you when you're kind of, you know, at that, in that framework of like mind frame of, you know, I just, I'm not sure which direction do you you go or do you have someone that you really like value when it comes to mentorship? I do. I do. And, and also I have like kind of a lot of dead people. Okay. In as much as I am amazed by the, I'm I'm a solid Gen Xer in that I remember microfiche, like going to the library and having to like have them pull out the archival thing and you had to go to the machine to look at the old clip. Like I am that old, right? <laughs> and so I am like amazed at the sheer volume of information that's available okay. right now. I, I'm just like, I can't, like, there's a part of me that is like a three-year-old at the zoo who's just like, what is a zebra? Right? Like, I'm mm. so like still dazzled by it. Yeah. And I think like one of the most fantastic things about it is I can access, like, if, if you're a fan of Oprah, you can watch everything that Oprah ever said. If you like Seneca, you can read every single word he's ever written. If you like, you know, it's like all of these people, like time doesn't matter anymore because you can, in a sense, access like the genius of all of the best minds throughout history. Yeah. So I am like obsessed with YouTube. Like I, if they clocked my hours, like (laughs) I know if they start charging for YouTube, like I can't make it. Game over. over. Cause I just really try to listen to who's, just who's the best and the brightest at the time. And, you know, obviously there's great peers. I love Simon Sinek's work. I love Professor Galloway. I love, there's a, there's a bunch of people that I, I listen to quite a bit. But I love the ability to access people from at all spectrums and really weird. I am a TED addict. Okay. I watch, I'm the one that watches all the corny, like I watch everyone. Oh, wow. I am obsessed with it. Where do you find time for all this? It's always in the background. Okay. I'm always putting, putting that knowledge and putting those experiences. It's an important part of being able to be an effective social commentator yeah. and being an effective transformational leader, right? If I'm going to go into organizations and say, I'm going to be catalytic, I've got to have those different perspectives in my head to be able to notice what you're going through and what's happening here. Mm. Like I have to be a perpetual learner, gotcha. right? And so if I'm not always learning, I can't help you be a perpetual learner, yeah. right? So I make the time. I make the time and I watch the boring speech that nobody else watches. And when you see like eight people watched it, it was me that yeah. I was one of the eight. Because <laughs> I, I think that there is so much genius all around us. Really, I really truly believe that. And I believe that everybody like has something they bring to the space and I'm obsessed with metaphor, so I love like nature stories and just 
how we can learn from things that are around us. Like I'm just obsessed with it. So mm. yes, I have live people, but I have a lot of people that I don't know yeah. that I consider my mentors in the, in a sense because they're feeding me and shaping me. That's why I encourage like that's kind of what my side is, right? Like mm. come on over and just consume. Like you may not have a mentor, but I'm going to give you hundreds. Yeah. Right? Like that's literally what I'm doing so that you can be great because there's something kind of discouraging. This was an ingredient when we started Watch Your Work. I had so many young women come to me and say like, I just keep trying to get a mentor and I, nobody's interested. I can't mm. convince anybody and I can't, and that's, you know, that's kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. And it's like, that's okay. Like just here, here, here's a tool that you can use and, and keep reaching out to people and keep trying to establish those relationships, but don't wait for that. Right. Like you can curate your own learning right now. Yeah. Right now, there isn't anything, there wasn't any magical skill set that we had that allowed me to start watch your work. We just figured it out. Mm. And you can too. Yeah. Just figure it out. Just 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 push on through. And there's some of it is not intuitive. And so find those people that are doing the thing that you're doing. The fact that you can be on Twitter and just connect with somebody yeah. or LinkedIn and just reach out to like the foremost authority in blah yeah. and be on the phone with them in a, in a week. Like, yep. can I have a 15 minute informational interview? Mm. And people actually say yes. Like yeah. that's a miracle. And I hope that I always talk to younger people and say like, don't be like jaded to that. Like don't ever let that get old. That's a big deal that you can access almost anybody that you want to. Now you might, if you send out a hundred, you might get three. Yeah. But that's three that you didn't know, that you didn't have any access to, and now you're talking to them. Now they're connected to you. Now you can send them your sample work. Or I, I have a guy I met at an event years ago who works for the Wall Street Journal. He's like, Hey, I saw this. They send me an article. I'm gonna see if I can put it in. Like, uh, what? Yeah. Like, you know, like that, the miracle of that. I just hope people don't ever underestimate that. Like, and always be a student, always yeah. keep accessing that information, always keep growing. Mm -hmm. No, I love it. So before we close out, I always like to finish off with a few more questions, but more on like the personal level. So for you, I mean, you seem like you're, you're open and, and willing to do things and you're out there. So when's the last time you've done something for the very first time? Oh, yesterday. What? What was it? Yeah, I'm always doing something for the very first time. Okay, Because I don't care, right? Cause, yeah. I mean, when I say that, like, people always get mad when I say that. You do care. No, I don't. I really don't <laughs> care. It's like, now I don't scuba dive. So my <laughs> husband is a serious scuba diver, and he just got my daughter to start scuba diving. And okay. they, they tried to peer pressure me, and I wasn't about that life. <laughs> Right. I am a surface dweller. Okay. Where do they scuba I don't dive? go. Well, we went to Bali last year and that's when they uh, went scuba diving. And yeah. now they're like, hey, we're going to find lakes around here so they can keep, because she just learned. So they no want to keep their skills going. <laughs> nice. And they're like trying to pressure me, peer pressure me to do it. And I'm like, I'm not doing it. And okay. you can't make me. So you're, surface you're, dweller. You're, put, you're, you're taking your I put stance. My, I, put my foot, I put my foot down. Okay. Right? So what was it yesterday? Yesterday, I tried to make bread. Oh, what? It did not go well. Uh. <laughs> So you started off with it with an L, or let's just call it a D minus. If it's that. straight, it's it's upward trajectory from here. <laughs> yeah, it's all the way. You set the bar upward. low enough to where you, you there's nowhere you it's can go. It's strictly victory. Out. It's all victory on the way up here. There's no downside. Yeah, right. But that's the thing, right? That's funny. Like you just gotta try it. You gotta. 
I mean, I just believe, you know, write bad songs, man. Like, write bad songs. That's, it's, I, I really believe <laughs> that right. we cheat ourselves if we don't try stuff that we suck at. Right. You got to pick something that you're just terrible at. Yes. Go get some watercolor paints and paint a terrible picture. I dare you. Yeah. <laughs> Hang it well, in my, your bathroom. <laughs> so my daughters get, my artistic skills have substantially increased from the time my daughter was about two to now where she's almost five. Like, my coloring game's on point. Um, <laughs> I can draw PJ Masks stuff, elephants, dinosaurs, sharks. I'm actually quite impressed with myself See? on that. Yeah. See? Growth. Yeah. <laughs> Growth. And if you can grow in these little things, you can grow in the big things. Of course, right? right? No, it's just like working out. You got to get the reps in. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So one last question I had is is not nothing from a philosophical standpoint, but do you have any daily habits or routines? Like, like I'm talking wake up. You know, like put your right foot on before your left or sock on me. You know what I mean? Like, is there anything like that you like stick to every single day that you do? Dude, I am the most undisciplined person you've ever met. Okay. I have no routines. I have no hobbies. Okay. I have no, I am like the anti-leader, thought leader. <laughs> I keep reading these like bios of these like intense thought leaders. And yeah. I just got picked up by a speaker's agency that represents me now. And they're like, hey, like they want some stuff about like your daily routine and like your hobbies. And I was like, oh, I don't really have any. I got to make some up real quick. <laughs> oh my, like, okay. Just like, just like watching YouTube videos count as a hobby. I don't think so. But I really don't. I'm not literally every day of my life is different. Okay. So, okay. Let me break it down. Cause I'm sure there's something. <laughs> So, I brush my teeth. Okay, so when you get up, what's the first thing you do? It I doesn't necessarily go away from the bathroom, but like, what's oh the first gosh. thing you do? This is such a bad, I'm such a bad example because I touch my phone. Like, it's the first thing I okay, check. So like, what time is it? What's going on? How many messages did I get? What's what's happening in the world? Like, okay. it's the first thing I touch. So you, so Every what, book says don't do that. Right. <laughs> Again, don't listen to Denise. Don't listen to Denise. <laughs> You'll succeed if you do everything that she doesn't do. <laughs> So you like right away, your your first inkling is like, let me connect. I'm on. I'm okay. on. Because like physiologically, I'm a night owl. I'm an afternoon. I'm the most creative like 6 to like 6 p.m. to like midnight. Well, you're on point now. So I would have, I don't know what it would have been like if I interviewed you later, but it would have been <laughs> on fire. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm like waking up. I'm like pulling it together right now. Oh my I'm not a morning person. So to okay. me, morning is very like. Routine. Just get the all, get the ugly stuff out of the way. It's you. like no nothing thoughtful. Nothing. It's just like what has to happen. But okay. my magic, like when I write, when I create content, when I it's an evening game okay. for sure. So yeah, so I don't have like a morning routine. I so get up a different you... time every day. I like and and since COVID, my like schedule is completely crazy. Yeah. I don't know what day of the week it is. <laughs> I don't know. Like it's just bananas. But I am disciplined about learning. That's that is one thing. I, I learn every day. Okay. I listen to the boring economists that's projecting what's going to happen to the economy after, you know, this first wave or second wave. Of COVID. Like I listen to all of those things that no, no one good. else listens to. So I learn every day, but there's almost nothing else that's a routine. Okay. That's totally <laughs> fine. So through all this time of you being connected, do you ever disconnect? Yes. Not as much as I should. So what does that look like? For that, that minute part of your day yeah, or week. so it's really like walking. We put a treadmill like right in the middle of our living room no, th- wow. during COVID because it was like, 
I have allergies, so I can't really like be outside walking all the time. Sometimes I can, but sometimes I, it's just miserable. So yeah. we're like, let's just put a, let's just slap it right in the middle of the living room. <laughs> you can't avoid it. Can't avoid it. You got to do it. And so that like just jumping on and just taking calls on the treadmill and like I'm that I'm that okay. person of just trying to like keep. I believe firmly like we have all of these like hormones that our body is triggering right now because it's fight, it's flight, it's we're we're there's just so much negative that's around us right now and it's triggering our body to tell us to do something but there's nothing to do like you mm. just got to stay in your house, right? Yeah. And so I think like exercise is more important than it has ever been mm-hmm. in terms of burning off those hormones, like you're sitting in adrenaline and your, your body's not designed to be in this kind of consistent state of like fight or flight. Like you can't live here. So I do try to burn that off every day by doing something like intensely physical. I wish I could say it was legitimately to get in shape. It's not, it's totally (laughs) about stress management, but the get in shape stuff is a bonus. For sure. No, that's, I like that. What was I going to ask now? I I got thrown off, but that's funny. Well, so there is, oh, I was going to, yeah. Have you ever tried meditating? You know, my, It doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for me. And I'll say that it's okay that it doesn't work for me. I used to like stress myself out. Like, gosh, I cannot sit for five minutes or 10 minutes like and just be quiet. So, and I almost could have like said that exact answer because I knew you were going to say no. Mm -hmm. But the thing that that I find funny is everyone thinks that meditation is a form of like sitting with your cross leg and like not doing anything and turning your mind off. But I think there is a form you probably do it and you're just not even aware of it and whatever that I meditation. Journal. Okay. There, that's a form to of me, meditation. Yeah. Like, so that's, I, I definitely like what's happening. Like I've written down, like there, I've learned so many lessons since this pandemic, since we all were sent home. Yeah. And so like every day I try to write down, oh, I do have a routine. Oh my gosh. That's my routine. See? You guys. I knew it. Oh my gosh, you guys. I have a routine. <laughs> but I do write down like, what is the lesson I learned? today you know and some of them have been when it's amazing how things that were impossible two months ago can just happen when you have this this condition right like all of a sudden like money is available and resources become like it was kind of a miracle it's i thought about like Working from home, like a lot of companies thought it was impossible. We can't do it. We can't. Mm. And then how many people are really thriving at home? People are closing their whole offices. They're doing so many different things. So like I try to like be really observant about what lessons I'm learning because it feels, I don't know about you, but it feels like every day is a month. Because there's so much happening. It all is happening so fast. And and like I want to remember. (laughs) I just want to remember. I feel like like. 20 years from now, they'll have whole classes in college that are just about 2020. Yeah. (laughs) This year was just... (laughs) I know. It's like I seen this meme and it was so funny. It was this kid sliding down a slide and the end of the slide was a big cheese grater. And they said like sliding into 2020. And this guy is going over a cheese grater. (laughs) He's going down this fun slide and he gets to the bottom. It's like, boom. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, that's too funny. Well, look, there's a few other house cleaning things I'd like to mention. So for everyone out there, I'd like to take a moment to tell everyone about some upcoming events that we have. Hey, everybody. Alex here with the events on deck. So due to current circumstances, of course, we are not able to have any in-person events. So I have nothing of that nature to update you guys on. 
but we have been hosting some virtual events. So OGGN is wanting to offer free webinars, live happy hours, etc. during this time. Since these events are not scheduled out as far in advance as in-person events, we would like to keep you guys updated via Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. So be sure to keep checking up on that and we'll keep you guys posted on anything we're offering. It has been free. We want to offer you guys value during this time that we're all at home. So please continue checking in and joining us for these virtual events. We are looking forward to seeing you guys whenever we're able to have in-person events and hope you're staying safe and sound. Awesome. Thanks so much. And anyone out there in the Houston area looking to play some oil field hockey, come join the Hack and Whack crew for some old timer hockey. We do it every two weeks at Memorial City Mall Ice Rink. Hit me up on LinkedIn for more details. Denise is laughing. She almost fell out of her chair. So hopefully we can get her on the ice. You never know. And then if you're looking to get in shape for over the summer, visit KTX Fit in Katy, Texas and get a free trial by telling one of the coaches that I sent you. Denise, it's been an absolute pleasure. The conversation was great. We've had some good laughs, some great conversation. Hopefully the listeners found value in it. I certainly did. And so from a selfish standpoint, I I really want to thank you for that. What's the best way for people to reach out? And you don't have to like spell everything out, but what what we'll do is if if you have any links that you'd like me to put on, I'll put your LinkedIn link, watch her work website link. And then if there's anything else that you want me to plug, I'll throw the link in the show notes. So just send me that. But if you want to verbally mention them, you can. I said, some people are like, oh, you can reach me at www. no, let's not do that. (laughs) Yeah, just watch her work, you know, catch me where you can. And also just follow on social, right? Because it's a... It's another way your vote matters. You're voting for me when you when you follow me on social. Yeah. So Perfect. Thanks. Awesome, everyone. Well, thank you so much for all the listeners out there. We certainly appreciate the support. Please, if you could, leave me a review, good or bad. I appreciate it all. And for all the Oldfield folks out there, always remember when the density's up and the gas is down, open the choke. Let's go to town. Thanks, everybody. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next week for another episode of Oil & Gas Onshore, a production of Oil & Gas Global Network. For more information, visit OGGN.com.